This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Welcome to the Outside Film Podcast. My name is Tom, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host John. And this week Hello. we are talking about Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Woo! Yeah, I've been really excited to see this film, especially since the teaser. I'm a huge fan of the series, especially the ones that are directed by Christopher McQuarrie. My favorite is Fallout, but that is the best one. It's like the most serious, the most intense. But this one, this one was like, ah. Oh, we're back. We're back at the we cinema, lads. So We're back. back. Yes. I mean, literally, it's like the dark part of the summer is over. It's like the clouds are parting. No more Flash. No more Transformers. No more Indiana Jones. You know, I, I'm mostly clowning because there's been some good stuff. But that doesn't matter because Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is here. We're going to be talking full spoilers ahead for anyone who yeah. hasn't seen it. So briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. Okay, let's get into it. <clears throat> Ethan Hunt and the IMF team must track down a terrifying new weapon that threatens all of humanity if it falls into the wrong hands. With control of the future and the fate of the world at stake, a deadly race around the globe begins. Confronted by a mysterious, all-powerful enemy, Ethan is forced to consider that nothing can matter more than the mission. Not even the lives of those he cares about most. Oh, well, I my... I literally just got back from the cinema seeing this film, and you watched it earlier in the week. What did yeah. you think? Oh my god, I was just mind blown by the story because you know in Mission Impossible films it's like oh should you choose to accept this mission? Ethan does this, but this one took me by surprise. It was like. Where are they going to go for the story? Where are they going to go that is kind of relevant today or, you know, what's happening around the world? And they took it with the idea of AI. And that was like, oh, okay, they're going with this AI entity. And it's such a refreshing story to see in the series. I mean, the ones directed by Christopher Quay were very, very good. But this one was very story-driven in a way of like, you know, what's going to happen with these characters and fate. Has it been written or is it changing? It's like really riveting and really exciting to see in this film. And it just took me by surprise of like where they went with the set pieces as well. My favorite is the train set piece, especially as an Uncharted 2 fan. Yeah, that was super Uncharted. I mean, really... They almost predicted the future with this because obviously they started production on this film a couple of years ago and they predicted this kind of AI boom and how scary AI can be. So it's interesting that you bring that up because the grand villain of this one is just a computer and that is kind of the scariest thing of all. I really, really liked the idea of this looming threat that can kind of anticipate your every move mm. and you're always kind of playing into its hands. That was really cool. But then also they bring in the human element with the villain Gabriel, who I thought was an absolute amazing villain. Oh, the Mission Impossible franchise yeah. has some fantastic villains. And while I don't think that 
Gabriel is quite on the level of Solomon Lane or Philip Seymour Hoffman or Henry Cavill. I don't think he's quite there, but damn, he was cool. Yeah, he was a banger villain. He had his presence in the film and he was like, this entity, it's taking interest of me. And it's like, what's the relationship between Ethan and Gabriel? Like, what is their past? And it really wants you to explore that. And I really loved the villain in this. He wasn't forgettable. I thought it was just great. He's completely emotionless and he's very scary as well. Aside Morales, I thought he was just great as Gabriel. Yeah, I agree. He was really intimidating both in physicality and also in the things that he says. There's some really great sequences with him that hold a lot of tension just because he's standing there because he's talking. And also early on when you just see him in the background, like during the airport sequence, it was really good to add some mystery to him. I think that very similar to what they do with Solomon Lane when Ethan sees him in Rogue Nation. That was great. And I think you see what happens in a Mission Impossible movie when the villain isn't as good. Like, I love Ghost Protocol, but I cannot for the life of me remember the villain in that movie, which <laughs> is a real remember. shame. I yeah, exactly. Remember. A lot of these kinds of films are brought down by the villains, and I think that this one is not the case. But I'm curious, what are your thoughts about his background with Ethan? Because the one thing that I didn't like about him was the fact that it's like, it's an old enemy from your past. I really don't yeah. like it when they do that and they're like, yes, you already have history with this person. It's difficult to define, difficult to get right. It's really not something that I am huge on. The idea that Ethan is no longer just a regular agent. He's somebody who has almost like this, <laughs> in Rogue Nation, they call him the living manifestation of destiny. And I like the <laughs> idea that he becomes that after all of his adventures. Whereas yeah. this kind of almost says that it was always written for him and that he always had a past that's going to catch up with him. That's never yeah. been my kind of thing. So I wasn't sure about that direction and giving him a little flashback and giving them previous beef. I don't think that added anything. Yeah, I know what you mean about like, oh, it's a villain from the past that the audience must know, but we just edited some flashback type thing. It was yeah. me, James. It what? was me, the oh author of God. all your pain. No. You took everything from me. Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't mind it, but I think it was just kind of unnecessary. But at least we do get some idea of what the villain is. Yeah, they build it more in this movie than they do in the stuff off screen. Like, they don't yeah. totally rely on previous stuff. They give him enough. Like, I mean, a big thing in this movie is that he kills Ilsa, which is a really big emotional moment and something that really impacts Ethan. And that is bigger than the random woman that he kills in the past, whose name I I don't even know. But I really liked that after everything that Ethan and Ilsa have been through, this kind of love that they have for each other, an unspoken love, she's ripped away from him. That's brutal, man. That is brutal. Okay, not gonna lie. I wish Rebecca Ferguson had a bit more character, more moments in that film, because I thought that would give more emotional. But it was brutal. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It was brutal to see, you know, Ilsa just like, no, she's gone. And it's like making Ethan just like he's lost everything now. I just feel like it was a bit empty. It was there, but I just didn't feel that emotion. It was a bit different for me. I was like, no, why? This is too early. No, please. Yeah, um, no, I know what you mean. Like, I, I felt it, but I understand exactly what you mean. They really could have played on the fact that she stole the key and she has made decisions that has gotten everyone in some hot water. And I think the idea of all of that makes it difficult when she doesn't then do much. And she mostly just stands there, like, giving everyone side eye the whole time. And it's yeah. like, she's a really good character in Rogue Nation. And she's also oh, great she's in Fallout. Great. I loved, I yeah. loved that in the Rogue Nation. I um, kind of feel like after the mystery of her was.
was solved and after her and Ethan became friends, the writers potentially didn't know what to do with her. And so that's why she's the one who dies because, you know, everybody else has their role. Benji and Luther, who act in a lot of ways as Ethan's moral compass, and they are different levels of the guy in the chair or whatever. And then we introduce Haley Atwell as Grace, who is this kind of younger agent, I guess. And I also loved her. One of the strongest thing is the cast. Like, yeah. come on, Haley Atwell and Pom Clementieff and just all the people who they add in this movie are just phenomenal. Like Vanessa Kirby's back. We really have just like everyone, and that was amazing. Literally, everyone was here, like in some scenes even kitteridge my even man kitteridge. oh my, my god my boy my, my boy boy and wait, he's apparently... brought with him the brian de palma dutch angles oh wait, oh it's wait. beautiful apparently nicholas holt appeared in this film hey yeah i'm looking at sorry google. i was getting excited about kitteridge why was nicholas holt in it i didn't notice him it might be google or something but it does say here nicholas holt is here Anyway, you got Mark <laughs> Gators. Yes. Mark Delaney. Yeah, I, I mean, that's interesting. I want to talk about that board scene with Charles Parnell and Indira Varma uh. and Kerry Elways and Kittredge. Um, I struggled with the first maybe 10 minutes. Everything before yes. Ethan revealed himself I... in that board. I was sitting there and I was like, oh, no, it's going to be bad. This movie is going to be bad. Like, you know, we're in the boardroom and we've just had a submarine scene and the scene in the desert and we're in the boardroom and they're finishing each other's sentences and they're giving a lot of exposition and nothing was pulling me in and I was just like oh god oh god oh god and then as soon as we get into the stuff with the Dutch angles and with Kitteridge and Ethan and you get the mask pulling off and then he puts on the mask of Kitteridge at the end brilliant and then like you know you get the light diffuse you get the opening credits and then the movie goes straight into it and I was like yes but before that I was just not sure I was really struggling I thought it was really clunky yeah i agree with that i was like i don't know where this is going and i'm scared it was just like where they're going to go for the story in the first 10 minutes and we just got so much dialogue i was trying to keep up what they're trying to say and as you just said they were like finishing each other's sentences i was like oh god why give us exposition about this entity i mean these are great actors you've got charles parnell and the guy who played kitteridge and it's like this scene is like okay i don't know how to get into this because there's some great actors. But then it completely flips over when Ethan comes in and he's just like, I was here the whole time. I was wearing the mask. Classic Ethan. And oh my God. Can we just talk about the music? Well, Lorne Balfe. I'm oh, sorry, Lorne but Balfe. that is just fantastic. The use of the Mission Impossible theme is as strong as ever. But there are also some really great pieces which rack up the tension. Like I would say my favorite sequence in the movie is the whole scene in Venice with the party and everything that oh. happens after the party. And the music in the party, you know, the kind of club music that was mm. adding to the tension beautifully oh it was fantastic it was so good the whole scene in venice it was just so beautiful and it's like he really made what the soundtrack was supposed to be for the rest of the series like it's definitely mission impossible i don't know which one's my favorite though because i said earlier that the train set piece was just incredible i just thought that it was the most intense bit out of the mission impossible series like the train bit it was just like how on earth are going to get out and it was like yeah this is uncharted 2 right there Oh, it was amazing. When the movie kicks into gear, it kicks into gear. Oh my 
god i mean i have to say there's a weird thing of this movie where it has so many parallels to other blockbusters of this summer like there's a whole car chase through rome in which there's a extended sequence of things rolling down the stairs just like in fast x and then there's a huge bit on a train on top of a train just like in indiana jones <laughs> and the movie ends with a shot of a submarine just like fast x what's going on and also there's a bridge that explodes just like fast x again i feel like mission impossible came in and i was like having like, deja vu i was like oh <laughs> yeah. my god i just realized i've just seen these but my other favorite scene is the fiat car chase sequence yes. you know when ethan and grace were in that small fiat and that yeah. gave me lupin the third vibes and it's like yeah this is pure lupin the third right here this is That's like so yeah and like the, the handcuffed together which is so pierce brosnan and michelle yo in tomorrow never dies and you just gotta love that this movie is taking so much influence from everything else Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie are stepping onto the scene and they're saying, this is how you do it, guys. Because, <laughs> oh my God, this movie is made to perfection. Like, I couldn't see after Fallout, I think to myself, how are they going to make this better next time? And it really, the way that it's made is just spectacular. The entire aesthetic of the film is glorious to witness. Yeah, you get so much and some really interesting concepts and some really interesting, you know, like what they bring in into the film and the stunts. Oh my God, Tom Cruise, he's a madman. I, 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 we all said this all this time, you know, like he's done some crazy stunts. I mean, he climbed on the Burj Khalifa, the helicopter chase sequence and fall out. Oh my God. And literally cling onto a plane in Rogue Nation. I'm like, you can do everything. He's literally a Hollywood action star. Oh my God. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, it's a bit of a meme that Tom Cruise is saving cinema, but seriously, who else can give you this kind of spectacle? There's such a sense of weight and of gravity to so much stuff in the third act with the train and the motorbike. Like, holy shit, the atmosphere in the cinema when he jumps off that cliff. It was just insane. Like, you just feel everybody holding their breath. And I'm just there just like, oh, my God, this is real. This is real. And you just, you can't. It's real. It's real. Like, you can't quantify the power of that. That is insane. You know, you can't just, you know, do that on a green screen because this feels so amazing and everything they bring to this movie there are so many action sequences where just the sheer power of it and the practicality of it just makes everything elevate so much higher like when they're climbing up the train as it crashes that is so cool and what i loved in the venice sequence is when they're fighting on the bridge and we're not cutting a thousand cuts like it's jason bourne or like it's a lot (laughs) of modern action movies we're holding on it and we're panning around and we're cutting where necessary And then you've got the claustrophobic fight scene where Ethan's fighting two people on either side of him in a really small alleyway. That is fantastic and done so, so well. And of course, you get Tom Cruise running for ages. Yeah! That's what we come to the cinemas for. Let's go. It was um, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I just loved the sequence in the alleyway. And it was just so well done. I was like, how on earth did they film this? 
it's so claustrophobic and I don't know how they filmed that. It was just so tight with the walls and I was just like, how on earth did they choreograph this alleyway fight? And I was just mind blown about what they've done for that. And I just love the juxtaposition between Elsa fighting against Gabriel and then cussing to Ethan fighting against Paris. And it was like, oh my God, it's just, it was so it's cool. Insane. It was so cool to experience. I know that I'm going to eat my words next year, but how the hell are they going to top this with Dead Reckoning Part 2? While I think that Fallout <laughs> is the better movie, I still think Fallout is the best Mission Impossible movie. Same. This comes in at second for me. Even though there were elements of the plot that didn't work, and maybe it's recency bias, I don't know, but the craft of it and the way that Christopher McQuarrie has directed the absolute shit out of it, it's incredible, and I really hope that it does well at the box office. And I know that, oh, you know, yeah. it's going up against Barbie and Oppenheimer next week, so we pray for Mission Impossible. But oh. seriously, this is just a level of filmmaking that's so important. It's a reminder of what we loved about Top Gun maverick it's fantastic i agree it's something to witness on the big screen and as what tom cruise and chris mccoy said we'll see you at the cinema and it was like yes we saw cinema and it was just uh, see you at the movies yeah. it's see oh, you at the movies so That's good it. wait yeah. Have you seen the video of Tom Cruise, like, on the biplane? Yeah. That, that's not from this movie. That's from 8. That's what he's going to do in Mission Impossible 8. Oh, my God. You know how I just said, how are they going to top it? Never mind. That's how they're going to top it. Tom Cruise no. on Wait, two biplanes. No, they're not shooting yes, that. Yes, that's so cool. Oh, my Amazing. God. So, yeah, that was during the filming of Mission Impossible 8. Oh, <laughs> this is just why. There's this no why way we do they're going to do a biplane dogfight. It seems like they are. And Tom Cruise is going to be on the wing. Oh, that's so cool. That is just peak shit I mean, right there. You did see Chris McQuarrie on the plane as well while promoting <laughs> the film. Oh it's my it's God. insane. Like, okay, like they, they filmed the big motorbike stunt. They filmed that day one of this movie because they were basically like, listen, if I die right now, then there's no point doing the movie at all. Okay. So, so they, they filmed it on day done... one, but he survived, and it really is such a great sequence. Yeah, they done that motorbike. I've seen that behind the scenes so many times. I was yes. like, this is, like, so dangerous. And, I mean, you know, the insurance on that, for you know, Tom Cruise must be really high. It's like, well, if Tom Cruise dies, then there's no point making these two <laughs> films. And not gonna lie, last year, before this film came out, we thought that Ethan Hunt was gonna die. You know, we thought we we're gonna, yes. yeah, in part one, he's gonna die, and then somehow in part two, he's gonna come back. Yeah. And he didn't die, so no, I'm No, he guessing, didn't. Interesting. I'm wondering where we're gonna get in part two. Another favorite thing is the ending as well, when they have the key and they have to find Sevastopol, the place yes. where the entity is. And when Kittridge was talking about the usual mission log to Grace, and it goes back to Sevastopol with the camera, you know, shows that shot of it underneath the sea it was like yeah this is about to be insane imagine this dead reckoning part one was just a prologue and then we go into the madness of part two and then imagine we get part three we were like oh, oh my, my god, god. <laughs> just like fast x <laughs> yeah seriously like next year we've got mission impossible dead reckoning part two we've got spider-verse 
maybe i don't know if that's happening and then in 2025 <laughs> we've got fast x part two there's a lot of like second parts happening and it's really exciting seeing this format being used really well because i think the format was really killed when it came to deathly hallows part one and two and oh, breaking yeah. dawn part one and two and oh, mocking jay yeah. part one and two <laughs> like they did that so many times they've done two parts so many times and i feel like we've had a bit of a break obviously we had infinity war and endgame but i think now with spider-verse and with mission impossible these are showing you how it's done because there's nothing quite like being this excited at the end of a movie just you know all the elements have come together so nicely and there's so many lingering questions and i specifically didn't re-watch all the mission impossible movies for this one i'm gonna do it next year and it's gonna be amazing Rewatching all seven of them before eight and getting what I have 100% faith will be a satisfying conclusion. I don't know if it's ever going to be as good as Fallout. Possibly. It would be Maybe. nice. It would really be nice. But yeah, there's so many places they can go. I don't know how on earth they're going to top everything in this film. Like some really interesting concepts. What they're going to do with the entity in the next film. I'm so excited to see what we're going to have in store for the next one. It's part two. And interestingly, I was like, I wonder how they're going to promote when it's a two-parter. You know, like we've got Spider-Verse and then we've got Dead Reckoning. It's like, how do we not get spoiled about what's going to happen in the next part. It's something to see, but then you just feel like, I don't want to spoil it myself, but I want to know what happens next. It's like Return of the Jedi, I guess. You know, it's like, oh my God, what yeah. happens? Yeah. I don't think we actually experience something that is like so exciting and that's going to be literally two two-parters next year, possibly, uh, if Spider-Verse will make it in time. Which they definitely yeah. won't. There's there's no yeah. way. They they there's haven't no even way. started animating that movie. There's or doing the voice acting as well. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay, yeah. so the, the, the interesting thing is, is that Mission Impossible, yes, it's part one, but it ends fairly, like, closed. Like, the narrative is closed. They found the key and all that. And so I think they can market it like any movie. But something it like could. Spider-Verse or Fast X, where it's ending in the middle of a moment, how will Miles escape? How will Dom escape? How do you market that? You can't. You can't show them in anything because it's going to spoil, in some sense, yeah, what happens yeah. to them. That's such a big part of what those two parties are going to be. Whereas yeah. Mission Impossible, it, I feel like they've got they've got more to work with because they I left wonder, it more closed. I wonder if they're going to do what this is not going to be, what Miyazaki is doing right now with Oh, wow. That would be like, hey guys, I know you heard about part is coming literally next week but here's nothing <laughs> you're just like i know the date i know when it's gonna come out but i haven't heard anything about it that would be the most hype thing ever i can't see a movie doing that like that as much as i would love that even avengers endgame when they were trying to keep everything a secret even they had to market the absolute hell out of that movie i remember about endgame they had to show the trailers and stuff but I remember one specific thing they said about like, yeah, in the trailers, we're going to show you the first 15 minutes as a trailer as a whole, like three minutes, but like some scenes from the first 15 minutes of the film. That's a lie, because in that trailer, in the first teaser trailer for Endgame, you get to see moments that is literally nearly at the end of the film. Yeah, they, they just straight up show parts of the third act oh my god oh please oh please don't be a disappointment oh god oh god i'm, I'm having an existential crisis Tom, have please. Faith. i have don't faith want it to be like end Cruise game. Oh, and macquarie god. it's not going to be end game Cruise and macquarie are going to save us they've made three bangers 
they've got to deliver on this final one. Oppenheimer no part won't. two, guys. Oppenheimer <laughs> part two. <laughs> oh, God. I'll tell oh, you what, God. though. I, I will try and avoid the trailers for the next one as much as I can. Because oh, the same. one thing about going to the cinema a lot, I go a lot. And I've seen the Mission Impossible trailer so many times. And so when I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, what's the next set piece? Or, you know, like, when's the train going to happen? Or this, that, and the other. And it, it's not a fun way to watch movies. I wish yeah. trailers didn't show nearly as much as the movie as they do but in many ways they, they have they to happen to do so much for example nope i remember when i went to see everything get everywhere all at once and i was watching the trailers I was like oh nope that's cool it didn't show me anything at all apart from one nanosecond of the alien like it showed me like it was like a blink and you're gonna miss it but it showed me that i was like oh but i've just been spoiled now i've been god damn by the it history marketing please be good next year please i just want yeah. to be like oh the hype for mission impossible yeah let's make it even more intense yeah that's definitely gonna be my most anticipated film of next year unless spider-verse comes out we i guess we'll see because it's you know it's, it's really yeah, exciting I guess we'll see. go see mission impossible please please support the cinema it's amazing right see it please. see it on the biggest screen that you can because damn it's worth it the funny thing is that in the first podcast that we ever done which was talked about like dc fandom but yes. tenet tenet, tenet yeah we, we were like don't see this film it's, it's oh. a seven out of ten. Oh and god we were so brain dead about like don't go and see it because it was covid at that time as well <sighs> and it didn't do too well at the box office we were like idiots. We we're like, oh, of course, this box office <laughs> mess. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Right. I recently rewatched Tenet for the third time, ready for Oppenheimer, and it's such oh. a banger. It's, it's such, such a banger. banger. We it, were it's... so wrong about it. I remember my film teacher saying, "Oh, should I see Tenet?" And I was like, "Oh no, don't waste your time. I'm an idiot. I want to slap my younger self because <laughs> Tenet is awesome. And if anybody is thinking, oh, maybe I should see it, Mission Impossible. Maybe I shouldn't. You totally should because you're never going to get a better experience than watching a Mission yes. Impossible." movie on the big screen yes and also you are supporting the cinema as well i mean if you want exactly see a great film, it's a win-win you're gonna see tom cruise winning and you're supporting the cinema this is a, a win-win situation right here if you want to see more films at the cinema i mean what's happening right now with their strikes and what the business yes which, which we yeah. fully support and you yes, know any any delays support. anything that comes out of it you know it's all in service of a good cause and yes. fuck all the producers and the big exactly. wigs who have so much money and really don't need that much money and are taking it all for themselves not giving it to the people who deserve it so you know yes. we're fully in support of all that and yeah there should be credit to screenwriters as well who put so yes. much heart and dedication into writing so support that as well because stories performers writers and poets you know they haven't sacrificed anything for big business owners just to say oh they're not worth it we meanwhile they have millions and millions of dollars in the yeah bank. and they totally are worth it because that you know yeah. they are the backbone of the industry and yes. you know nothing works without them yes exactly so i want to finish on that note of like please support what the writers and actors right now because i remember yesterday when christopher nolan was like oh they've gone now the actors they're supporting the strikes for the actors yeah field. good as they should yeah good yes they should what are you going to give mission impossible dead reckoning part one out of ten 
I'm gonna say nine. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. I mean, that's made it into my top ten for the year. I reckon. Yeah. yeah, I reckon as well. That is definitely a placement in the top ten, and that is gonna be another blockbuster hit. I feel it. I hope so. I I really I want this so. one to do well. Yeah, alongside with Barbie. Oh my god, that would be like the best month. You know, like you see Mission Impossible, yes. Barbie, Oppenheimer, and it's like the holy trilogy of films. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. You know what's after Oppenheimer? Tell me. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. The quadrilogy, yes! That'll be the best month that we experienced for films. I wonder what's the best month that films had. It's this month! Oh my god! (laughs) We're living in history right now. We're Uh, living in the best timeline. Oh my god. Thank you everybody for listening. If you're listening on YouTube and you enjoyed it, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, the month of cinema continues. With Barbie, which is going to be just amazing. Oh, my God. I can't wait. You better know that we're both doing Barbenheimer, both movies on the same day. That's going to be incredible. And you can send us an email at alstimefilmpod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Barbie and ask us any questions. We'll answer it right here on the podcast next week. And you can follow us on Instagram at alstimefilmpod to see our incredible thumbnails from Zayn Afsal. On Twitter for more thoughts from me and TikTok to see edited clips, which are also on Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. And you can find links to all that in the description below. Thanks to L. Jones Mayer for the excellent theme and Ronan Phillips for vocals, as always. And I think that is everything. That is everything. And I also want to say that there are amazing shorts that Tom made. So I want to like... Thanks, man. Thanks, man. They're great, man. They're they're a banger. There's some great ones. There's some funny ones. Just wait. Just, John, John, just wait to see the one that I'm going to release in in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's incredible. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, that's everything. Take away, given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.